trying to talk about the cessation of suffering or the end of the world or no self <laughs> it can be very um, very misleading people misunderstand because the, the commitment very much to the world to the realm of grasping and desire suffering to our sense of the self so uh, to, to often I'm Christian we sound like nihilists like we're just aiming at a, a, a kind of vacuous state of, of annihilation and even that's how it might seem to to um, you know when one thinks about it you think of no self no personality end of the world consciousness ceases what's left is that what we're here for? Just to, to no longer exist, not be anyone, have no desires, not be born again. And then fear comes up in the mind, fear and terror about not existing. Because fear is a and desire work together and if one is attached to desire one's going to be frightened it's desire and fear are the worldly conditions they keep the world uh, arising and ceasing and as long as one is, is uh, caught in desire and fear then the world will, will be arising and ceasing but it won't end <coughs> You won't, you won't even notice that the world has ceased because you, as soon as it, uh, one world ceases, you, have an, you create another one. Now the refuge in, in Buddha Dhamma Sangha, this implies, this, this is the best one can do with words and concepts, a refuge in mindfulness, in knowing, and in truth, and in virtue. So that doesn't mean annihilation, doesn't it? We're not saying we're trying to just become totally kind of wiped out, vanished, invisible nothings. Because then what's the point of being virtuous? What's the Sangha about? If, we, if we're just aiming at annihilation and, and invisibility and so forth, there's no point in being good or doing anything, really. Why not commit suicide? What's the point of being awake? Buddha, Bhutan Sanangachami. What's the point of being awake and aware with wisdom if, if it's just nothing, annihilation, a void, a vacuum? Now notice that we can conceive a vacuum and a void and nothing, like no, no thing at all or a, a total annihilation. It's a, a concept, isn't it? Total destruction and annihilation is a thought in the mind. But when that thought ceases, 
or when the thought of an eternal hap- a place of where if we were sitting here trying to find a, a, a heaven where we could be happy forever heavenly happiness forever and ever where me Sumedho Bhikkhu myself and my soul can live uh, with you in a kind of childlike uh, paradise playing on the grass and drinking lemonade petting the deer and the feeding the squirrels and the ducks and kind of uh, I mean even on a sunny day in England we don't do that very much do we but yet images of paradise of in a kind of childlike realm of where you're with you're protected and safe and everything is nice and sweet and pretty and no ugliness no snake in the garden no worms in the apple no flies in the ointment there's no none of these primordial serpents either these seven-headed nagas or imagine one of those would do in in child's paradise fire-breathing dragons when you're a child you think of paradise as being uh, locked into a sweet shop for the night remember one time they had this little uh, penny candy store in the place where I lived in Seattle when I was a little boy and in those days you could buy a, a bag, little bag, brown bags of, of candies where you got a, a few pennies you could get a whole bag full of these and um, licorice cigars and I had this, this, this fascination for licorice cigars now one day I think my mother gave me five cents, a nickel in American terms. That's a lot of money in those days for a little boy. And I went up to this candy store and bought five cents worth of licorice cigars, which were being about five, five of these things. And then I raced out of the store and started chewing them, all, eating them all up. And I got sick at my stomach. Threw it all up, all these. Wasn't, wasn't a for years after that I couldn't stand licorice. What kind of paradise is that? And yet, to my mind, I when I was thinking of it, anticipating, wouldn't it be wonderful if if one licorice cigar is delicious? Well, I mean, if you could have all you want, a non-ending, non-ceasing supply of licorice cigars. They're not the cigars you smoke, they're kind of you eat. I wasn't into smoking when I was little. <laughs> well, that taught me something, and getting everything you want and, and being able to, to indulge your appetites, to, uh, to gorge them and, and uh, satiate them only leads to throwing up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's some wisdom, isn't it? When you're a child, you do learn that the result of eating too many liquor cigars is that you get sick at your stomach and throw it all up. And, and your, your fetish fascination for licorice stops. 
You can't stand it anymore. Hell, when I was a child, was was falling down and skinning my knees, and having to put mercurochrome on my knees. It was very painful. I get these. My mother put this kind of stinging red mercurochrome, iodine, on the on my knees, skin knees. That'd be very painful. That'd be kind of hell realm. You anticipate it. She's going to put that. Mercurochrome on my knees this time. Before she was even doing it, you're gritting your teeth. Possibility of pain, stinging pain. And then you found out that it, you could you could take it, the stinging pain of mercurochrome on your skin knees. So the sensory realm is like this. It's a realm of where, where sense well, is attractive and desirable and, and what is anticipated with dread or fear. That we, can, we can live our lives very much in just the realm of, in a hell realm, of fear and anxiety and worry about the possibilities of mercurochrome on our skin knees or, or getting cancer or or losing uh, something we love, or being separated, or being in a crash. And then the desire for the security, that these things will not happen, that, that everything will be all right. And then the ability to reflect on this, on these two extremes of both the dreading and fearing and desiring for happiness and pleasure and security to just observe this whole mental process as it really is and let it go, letting it cease. So the cessation of the world is the relinquishment of fear and desire. Rather than I'm trying, to try, I'm trying not to exist, as a person. I just want out. I just want to get off the, the merry-go-round. I don't want to play the games. I want to get out of it all. I don't want to exist. I don't want to be. Not that. It's letting things go, allowing things to be without being deluded no longer being deluded by the appearances, the way it all seems, the way we've been conditioned to perceive. Memory then is very much uh, coming when memory is an attachment, when we're attached to sanya, kanda, or perception, and then of course the this is this is what we where we begin to dread. And if I think of of uh, just remembering eating uh, licorice cigars when I was five years old, I can remember that now. Now, if I'm attached to the memory, 
and the ability to, to, to and, and the identi- identity of a self, then all these things are accumulate over the years of one's life. One has the memories of the, the, uh, the traumatic experiences. Why don't I remember uh, something else about my, that year of five years, being five years old, six years old? There's only a few things I can remember, that being one of them, because I threw up. Something that I was looking forward to as being something that's going to be really wonderful. So it was an extreme moment, wasn't it? Five cents worth of liquor, cigars, a dream come true, reached heaven at last, and I threw up. <laughs> Obviously, that was that memory. One could maybe see that as a kind of bitter reminder of things, and it could have maybe, you know, by accumulation of these memories of of throwing up and being disappointed with life, I could be a bitter old man at fifty-four, couldn't I? Life is just it's just vomit. That's all it is. Even when you get what you want, it's nothing but puke. A bitter old man, because when I was five years old, and then a whole series of other incidents of, of uh, you know, that's just one of the first ones, and then after that it got worse and worse. It wasn't just with licorice cigars, but it was with everything else. Some disappointment, some, you're expecting a lot, and it, it all disappointed you. You're expecting to have a really, when you got, when you, when you finished university, when I get my degree, then it'll be, I'll be really happy, but then you have to try to get a job. When I get the job, the profession, then I'll be really happy, and then it's that, and then it, something goes wrong there, and, and then by the time you're 54, what a disappointment it's all been. All, from liquor, cigars, to, to unemployment, to redundancy, to divorce, to whatever. The world is a terrible place, hated, disappointment. Or maybe, maybe life, uh, maybe the memories are more positive. I have some very happy memories. Uh, the good times, the successes, the, the great moments, uh, the, the important, meaningful relationships and experiences of life. But then, when you're 54, if you're, if you're looking forward to more kind of meaningful relationships and interesting adventures and fascinating experiences, you realize that I mean, by this time, you've, you've, you've had enough of it. At least I have. What, more kind of romances? Or kind of interesting and meaningful relationships with people? Or go more places and see more kind of ruins and castles and...
what is there to do when you're 54? Uh, you know, in, in the world of adventures and romances and excitement. Well, one can think, but but by now it's no longer one kind of doesn't want to do that. It's not very interesting, not very attractive to think of spending more years trying to squeeze enjoyment out of these these kind of things. So even if one has been successful and and had a happy life. Uh, age itself presents its own uh, kind of interesting outlook. It's a David Duta, isn't it? The old age, sickness and death, are the are the messengers that remind us that that this this realm here, this sensory realm, is to be studied and observed, but not to be grasped. We learn from it. We investigate it. We examine it. But if you grasp it, it's going to, you're going to be terribly disappointed, lost, frightened, upset, despairing, and anguished, because the sensory realm is this way. It's, it's not, it's not a, to be anything to grasp. It's something you, you, begin, you just learn from and notice as it goes along. It's an ever-changing flow and movement, the sensory realm. And so we, we find out how to, to just observe the, the flow, the flux of change of the sensory realm, to be with the changingness of it, rather than to try to find any point in it that, that, uh, that we try to hold on to. It's learning to flow along with it to be with the flow of it, the flux and the movement and change, to be the change itself, to, to no longer resist change, but to allow that which is changing to change and be what it is. So emptiness and no self isn't a, a vacuum of, of, of annihilation. But it's a, it's a, it's a, it's the peace and the and the uh, happiness of non-resistance, and of being able to learn and know and see, and realize truth. When we resist change and and want this, I mean the person personal. The, the personality view is always resisting something, isn't it? I don't like this and I don't want that. The opinions we have, I don't... Why does the world have to be this way? Why does it have to change? I don't want to grow old. I don't want to get sick. I don't want to die. I don't want my friends to die. I don't want anyone to suffer. I don't want people to get old. And, and I don't want the world to be the way it is. I don't want to skin my knees, and I don't want mercurochrome to burn, and I don't want to throw up when I eat chocolate, uh, licorice cigars. I want to eat licorice cigars and not throw up. And I want all the, well, that's an impossibility, isn't it? To just eat licorice cigars 
all the time without drawing them up. Because that's the way it is. I don't want the English weather to be the way it is. I don't want the world to be like it is. I don't want to be the way I am. I want to become something. I want you to become something. And so these, all this, this way of thinking is coming from the Sakayaditi viewpoint of self, of me and mine, which is a resistance to the change. Because when you think of yourself, it's a kind of, it's an illusion of a kind of permanent self-quality, isn't it? When you let go of the thought of self, then the things are just in the flow and change. It's the way it is. A Nietzsche. <coughs> when we allow the change and the flow, I mean, it goes on anyway, whether we allow it or not, but when we're with it, when we open to it, then there's no self, and then there's no suffering. No dukkha, no self. This afternoon at Sita, I'm talking about the uh, Coronation Street in EastEnders and Dallas. These are reflections, aren't they, of human desires and and uh, ways of of uh, the people can occupy their time with with the trivialities of our human existence, the problems that people have, the the quarrels that that men and women have with each other. I remember sitting on an airplane one time watching this movie and, and I, I didn't have earphones and I was just sitting there and this, this thing was on the screen so I didn't hear any sound but every so often there'd be a quarreling scene well I haven't had romantic affairs for years you see so I forgot all about what goes on in romantic affairs and in the movies these romantic affairs this is a romantic movie Every so often, every few minutes, this young man and woman were at each other, quarreling, telling each other off, or, or running away from each other, and then running to each other and embracing. A, a thing, an hour and a half of this, where you're just watching the, the thing without the sound. And you see the actress, uh, she is falling in love, and, and he's falling in love with her, and they're kind of embracing, and then and that you can't, they can't have an hour half of just happy embracing, can you? <laughs> and it wouldn't, nobody would want to see that. A whole hour and a half of just this man and woman embracing each other and smiling. So they had to have them separate and, and misunderstand each other and and have fights, and she tells him off, and he tells her off, and she runs away, and he chases after her, and she tries to throw herself off a bridge, and he saves her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you know the plot. <laughs> and 
people want to do all that? Why do they? What is that? Do that people sit there and watch this stuff, and they they actually maybe engage in it sometimes in your life. You you go through these things. But it is very much an expression of a self-view, and I want, I don't want, and I want you, I want you to be this way, I don't want you to be that way. It should be, you know, it should be that the, the, the man and the woman, the young man and woman, come together and they, they fall in love and live happily ever after. The Cinderella scene. But then, you can't just have, I mean, you've got to have a bit of suspense and, and so forth to make it entertaining. Because just, uh, just, just uh, you know, meeting, falling in love, and living happily ever after is pretty boring to most people. You have to have misunderstandings, obstacles, frustrations, ordeals, and trials, and then finally win out in the end, hopefully. Or maybe it's tragedy, where through misunderstandings, they, she throws herself off a bridge, and he dies of of an uh, overdose of heroin or something. <laughs> that leaves you like that's the bitter old man, fifty old man. Life is just throwing up, and life is just a terrible disappointment, misunderstandings, and no way of solving the problems. Or the Cinderella theme, where everybody, everything works out and everybody's happy in the end. But in the, the religious quest, all this ceases. The happiness, the bitterness, all these, all these romances, adventures, excitement, the, the, the fascination for the conditions, the identity with the world, and the seeking to to keep it to keep creating a world uh, that one uh, they, that one is creating one's own world out of fear and desire. Now the bliss and the peace of letting the world end isn't jumping off the bridge or dying of overdose of heroin, but it's allowing these illusions to cease to know the the way things are, what arises ceases, the conditions are this way. Now with mindfulness, which is the way out of suffering, mindfulness is the only way that we can actually be in tune and in touch with the flow of things. Otherwise, we're, we're busy trying to, to indulge or suppress or get caught up into these conditions as if they were something more than, than just conditions, as if they were really mine, or that they should be some other way, or they shouldn't be the way they are. Well, mindfulness then is uh, is and and mindfulness and wisdom sati sampachanya sati panya 
this 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 what we we've been doing on this retreat is learning to develop this way of reflection this is the way it is when things misunderstandings happen here at Amaravati people's feelings get hurt and people uh, misunderstand things and and so forth this is just the way the world is it's we're, we're, we're not expecting Amravati to be perfect either. We can see that, that, uh, that there can be misunderstanding, there can be hurt feeling, pride and egos get battered here, uh, lack of proper communication takes place, uh, and there can be, we can have all kinds of views and opinions about what it should be. But rather than trying to, to the, rather than, than making any problems about it, we can observe it. For us, it's a very simple way, isn't it, for the, for the samanas, because we, we can reflect that we have robes, alms food, shelter for the night, medicine for illness, moral precepts, moral, moral, uh, uh, protection and our intention is to do good to develop virtue the science of the good so in that way the 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 <coughs> conditions around us are to be studied and examined rather than to be criticized and despised or exalted we work with the way things are because we have everything we need for the holy life. This <laughs> teaching is very difficult to understand sometimes. People and monks and nuns and so forth can really even after quite a few years still not quite get it because it begins to it takes time to really absorb to really see it I mean one can figure it out quite easily at in the beginning most of you figured it out in the beginning but then the the, the habit formations can be quite strong and the urgent worldly like the coronation street traumas and crescendos can be so overwhelming that you you forget the the habit formations can be quite strong and the urgent worldly like the coronation street traumas and crescendos can be so overwhelming that you you forget does Valerie really love Nigel or does Nigel is he really is he really in love with Rosemary and Rosemary 
doesn't really care much for Nigel, but she's she's got this kind of fascination for Valerie. <laughs> <laughs> All this can take on great importance, can't it? What will happen to Valerie, Nigel, and Rosemary? No exit, isn't it? You know that play by Sartre. <laughs> A kind of no exit situation where you're stuck in this realm of misunderstanding, cross communications blockages, fixations, and there's no exit, it's just stuck in this realm of fear and desire. <coughs> That's the way the world is. It seems like there's no way out sometimes. It is just You're just stuck in a realm of confusion and, and hopelessness and, and you try to you, you hope people will understand and then they don't and then things get go off and go wrong and this and this fails and then we get old and people die and <coughs> so that in the coronation street uh, the the obsession with the world is uh, we just have to keep kind of hoping for the best and a kind of stiff upper lip, carry on, you know, because, uh, you know, this is, it's a, you don't know what's going to happen, but you just hope that everything will be all right. Get the monks to chant for you. Say your prayers every night. Give to the blind and hope for the best. But all this ceases in the mind, doesn't it? And that we're beginning to realize the, the peace of cessation is not a dismissal or an irresponsible uh, not caring or no, long, no longer thinking, it, uh, just trivial, trivializing and making fun of Coronation Street, of the worldly problems and the passions and, and uh, melodramas that people have in their lives. But it's the ability to see them in the perspective of what they really are. They're no longer deluding us. Because we investigate Dhamma, we see that all that arises ceases and is not self. So the cessation of all these melodramas is a relief, isn't it? Not to have to be Rosemary or, or Valerie or Nigel. Not having to to even to let them cease, you know, the way at the exit is is letting it all cease. Valerie, Nigel, Rosemary become enlightened. <laughs> Problem solved, isn't it? Nigel realizes that his love for uh, uh, Valerie's realizes that her love for Nigel is 
is really not, is, is just a selfish indulgence, part of it, and a neurotic need to have, uh, to find security because her father left when she was only two years old and her mother had to work hard scrubbing floors. Or maybe Valerie really realizes that that love is is not particularly uh, it, it isn't a, isn't an attachment, but the ability to let go, not to make a problem about what happened in the past or about what she would like to have in the future, but to just not make any problems, not create anyone called Nigel and hang on. And Nigel begins to realize that that he really loves Valerie and Rosemary. <laughs> and, uh, and then, but, but it's not a selfish, egotistical love or demand, but the love of a of a heart that is that is free from any selfish interests. All he wants for them is for them to keep the moral precepts <laughs> <laughs> and develop virtue. that Nigel frees himself from any, any kind of <laughs> desire and fear. So in the no-exit situation, there is a, an exit, the end of suffering, by not making problems, not creating people. <coughs> like here in Amravati, if we, if we create uh, all these, if we really believe in the creations of our mind, then we create no exits, can't we? we can, oh, this is never going to change. What about the nuns and the monks? And this person's like this, and that person's like that. And what are you going to do if this person dies? If this person dies? What if Ajahn Tomato should suddenly drop dead? What do we do? He'll be the next senior monk. And these are all no exit situations we're creating. Ajans and senior senior monks and nuns and and uh, juniors and anagarikas anagarikas and and lay people and and uh, whose duty is to who and who likes who and who doesn't like who and who's going to do what to who and and what should we do if this happens or that happens and so this is the no exit you're getting stuck in this realm of fear and desire. And it's the monuments of unaging intellect, isn't it? Just the creations of our mind. It's just intellectual perceptions that we that become monuments, kind of permanent fixtures that we that we believe are reality. But when we let go, then they all cease. And the ability and the, the knowing, the awareness, the peace that comes from, from knowing the end of the world. The world ends. When the world ends, there's peace. 
And when there's peace, there's no problem. All the problems are solved, they cease, because we don't create them. And there's still love. It doesn't mean that Nigel uh, doesn't love Valerie or Rosemary anymore, or Rosemary love for Valerie is no longer a kind of neurotic need. The love that dare not speak its name, or whatever. <laughs> it is, <laughs> but it's the, the 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 love of knowing, of truth, of virtue, love of virtue. <coughs> Loving each other in this community means that we really help each other. We seek to help and, and free each other from attachment, not to bind each other with neurotic problems and limit each other and misguide each other and exploit each other, which oftentimes it goes under the name of love in these melodramas. <coughs> but love, in this sense, if you're talking about love from the, the purity of being, of the heart, then it is the, the love we have for each other by the, the moral, the, the love of, our, of morality and of virtue, of our intention, the spiritual life. It's not based on liking somebody's personality anymore, but something transcending all that much finer, more beautiful, more in something truly uh, perfect. So we're not being bitter, cynic, by saying there's no love, it's just anatta, no self, and we just want to get out of this existence, end of the world, end of consciousness, bye-bye, cool world. A kind of soulless, selfless, uh, nihilistic Buddhist position. But it, one begins to realize what love really is. The warmth, the kindness, the respect, the way we free each other, help each other, support each other, take care of each other. Not because we like each other's personalities, or I think, I think Valerie is super, but Rosemary's not so great, or I prefer Valerie to Rosemary, or prefer Nigel to Valerie, or prefer Rosemary to Nigel, or today I like Rosemary and tomorrow I'll, uh, uh, I don't like her anymore, I like Nigel. <laughs> that, that's all very, very uh, fraught with, uh, with uh, licorice cigars and chrome. <laughs> Isn't it? So no self, anatta, is not a, is 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 not a, a sterile, uh, sterilized uh, mind where we just we just don't care and don't see and don't notice each other, or just regard each other in the most kind of cold and indifferent ways. But really, but it's the freedom of loving, sharing, giving, 
helping, supporting, without this, without fear and without desire. These that we let go of, they cease. So we can see in the Buddhist teaching, it's, it's, a, it's a teaching to get to point to what is the real problem, this, this attachment, this it, delusion, the avicca, and all that is produced from that is a world of misery, a world of throwing up, a world of stinging, burning pain, a world of despair, of bitterness, of fear that even if we're happy, we're going to lose it. Because avicca bhajaya sankara can only produce these kind of very, very difficult, complicated worlds. So the end of the world is a relief rather than a tragedy. No self is a relief rather than an annihilation. So contemplate this in this this way of of reflecting. It's very, (coughs) it's quite quite a, a skillful way to think, isn't it? When we when we contemplate in this way, not no, no longer uh, seeing the the world as the material world, but as the world of avicca bhajaya sankara. The world ceases, then there's peace. There's knowing. There's intelligence. And these lovely Brahma Viharas manifest through the, 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 and appear and, and touch and move and flow with the way things are rather than this, this terrible realm of me and mine which is fraught with fear and desire limitation, resistance, pain despair and death. So I offer this for your reflection.
Heavy hand, his star. 